Good morning. It's good to uh, to be with you this morning. I want to thank you for the invitation. Does anybody need a pen? We'll pass those out. You're taking a test this morning, so please, you'll need a pen, something to write on. I started wondering if the underlying theme for today was going to be long-suffering because you have to listen to me three times. And I'm, I don't know if Greg had that in his mind or not, but let's, uh, I'm sorry for uh, you have to listen to me three times, but we're going to do our best to, uh, to preach the Word of God this morning. And I thank you for being here. I also understand that I have three opportunities this morning or today to impress upon you the need to turn to God or the need to stay with God or the need to refocus on God. I encourage you this morning, as well as all through today, to participate and engage in our study. You know, you can just sit there and listen and and give me a little smile and a little warm handshake on the way back, and you might can have a little warm feeling when we get through. But I want to tell you, you can also get a warm feeling by taking a bath. But it doesn't, it only works for a little while. You've got to, you've got to participate, you've got to engage in the things that you study. And so that's what, that's really what I want us to look at this morning, as well as all through today. As we begin, I want to, to begin with, it's, really a something that we need to look at and realize that there are only two paths in life. There are only two paths in life. You know, we, we all struggle as we go through this life. We live in a, in a society that is growing more and more ungodly. There you go. And so... We have to do our best to keep our minds focused on the things that they need to be focused on. The first psalm is kind of an introduction this morning. I want to read that to you and just make a couple of quick points before we move on. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment 
nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now we all have studied this psalm. We know this psalm if we've studied it at all, but just kind of a quick little outline. You see, first of all, the man that God blesses, the person that God blesses are found in the first three verses. The person that God judges are found in verses 4 and 5. And in the last part, in verse 6, you see the parting of the ways. The righteous and the ungodly, they're going to be parted. On the day of judgment, it, they're not going to be able, they're not going to be together. God's going to part them. But what I want to show you is there is no other ground. There is no middle ground. When you talk about the two paths in life, that's it. It's the way of the righteous or the way of the ungodly. Now, in other passages, Jesus and, and other writers talk about the narrow way or the broad way. Sometimes it's referred to as light and darkness. Sometimes it's referred to as just God's way versus my own way. Sometimes the Bible talks about things like things that are temporary or things that are eternal. Things that are spiritual or things that are physical. You see these two things, they're contrast. But I want you to see this morning, brethren, there's only two roads. There's only two ways. Life is short. Sometimes we think that we're going to live 80, 90 years. And that we're, you know what, our lifespan is getting longer. It's going to last that long. We're going to do it. And yet, we don't know what's going to happen. So we need to realize that turning to God is the answer. We all have a choice to make in this life. Which road are you going to travel on? Which road? Young people, which road are you going to travel on as you go through this life? You're not going to accidentally fall into the right path. You're not going to accidentally, by mistake, fall onto the narrow road or the narrow way. Notice, I highlighted, it says, the man that God blesses, the person that God blesses, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. That's important for us to see. It's important for us to understand that if you're going to stay on the narrow way, if you're going to stay on the way that God is going to bless you, you're going to have to delight in His law. You're going to have to meditate upon it day and night. That's so important. As I said at the beginning, we live in a society that is growing more and more ungodly. They don't care anything. Our society, our nation does not care anything about whether or not you come to worship services or not whether or not you're doing anything, they're going to try to keep your life filled with the things of this world so you're not thinking about the eternal things. You're thinking about the temporary things, the material things. And if we're not careful, we will all get so wrapped up in those things that we will crowd God right out of our lives. Our delight should be in the law of the Lord. And in His law, He meditates day and night. Okay, 
Let's change gears for just a moment. Because the person that God blesses is the one that meditates upon His law. His delight is in that. And so we understand that we should be people of the book, right? We talk about it. We hear the old sayings that, oh yeah, those in the church of Christ, they were people of the book. They knew the book. They understand the book. There's, do you do that? Do you know it? Do you understand it? And so this is where your piece of paper and your pen comes in this morning. So what we want to do is we want to ask the question, how well do I know the Bible? How well do I know the Bible? I'm not going to take those up, and please don't get all upset and worried about, oh, no, I'm going to get these right. This is for your own benefit to help you, and I give you a piece of paper so hopefully you won't fall asleep while we're going through it, okay? So I give you something to write on. You've got a better chance of remembering it if you see it, if you hear it, and if you write it down. All three of those things, you've got a better chance to remember it than if you just do one of them or two of them, okay? So... How well do I know the Bible? The Bible tells us, right, in 2 Timothy 2.15, to be diligent. Okay, well, um, some translations actually say study right there. Study to present yourself approved unto God, a worker that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we all understand as Christians that we're to study. We're to rightly divide the word of truth. Okay, here we go. We're going to test our Bible knowledge this morning. I've got five questions for you. Five simple questions. Now, they simple. No, no, they may not be simple to you, okay? What I mean is they should not be hard to understand. They're not big, huge words in there. So we can, you can, and so you can use your Bible. I'm going to give you just a little time, though, if you like, because we've got to get through, okay? I don't want you falling asleep in between questions. So I'm going to ask you five questions, and I'll give you a little time for each one to answer. Then we'll go back through them and look at them, and then we'll talk about them a little bit more. Number one, these are all out of the New Testament, by the way, just to kind of help you out a little bit. New Testament. Number one, who was rebuked by Jesus for caring more about temporal things than eternal things? Who was rebuked by Jesus for caring more about temporal things than eternal things? And if you're really... Uh, wanting to go this morning, you can write down the, the book, chapter, and verse if you want to, if you'd like to, or you can just write down the name. I'm just, well, you, whichever way you want to do it. Number two. To whom did Jesus offer living water that would cause one to never again thirst? To whom did Jesus offer living water that would cause one to never again thirst. Number three. Which disciple was given a second chance to follow Jesus after denying him? Which disciple was given a second chance to follow Jesus after denying him. Number four. Who postponed obedience to Christ by procrastinating for a more convenient season? I did have one big word in there. Sorry about that. 
Procrastinated means he was just uh, kind of waiting, right? He was, he was putting it off. He was putting it off, okay? Who postponed obedience to Christ by procrastinating for a more convenient season? And the last one, who was the captive who gained his freedom in exchange for Jesus' death? Who was the captive who gained his freedom in exchange for Jesus' death? Okay, so let's go back and look at number one. Okay, let's go back and look at number one. Who was rebuked by Jesus for caring more about temporal things than eternal things? If you would, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And we're just going to read verses 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So the question, who was rebuked by Jesus for caring more about temporal things than eternal things, Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42, if you answered Martha, then there's the Bible answer. Number two, turn your Bible to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. To whom did Jesus offer living water that would cause one to never again thirst? <clears throat> We're, just, we're going to pick up the reading for time's sake. We won't read the whole thing, but um, Jesus is talking with a woman here of Samaria in verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Excuse me, will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So if you answered number two, Samaritan woman, from John chapter 4, there's the Bible answer. Number three, which disciple was given a second chance to follow Jesus after denying him? If you turn to John chapter 21, John chapter 21, 
And this is one that I'm sure if you if you've studied it all and learned, this is one that we, we teach the children in the children's classes and things. We did who denied the Lord. Right? Who denied the Lord three times? And those things. And so John chapter twenty one and verse fifteen. We're just going to read a few verses here. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said in the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. And you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And we'll stop there. But we all understand that the answer to this, the Bible answer, is Peter to number three. Number four, who postponed obedience to Christ by procrastinating for a more convenient season? In Acts chapter 24, Acts chapter 24 In verse 24 and 25. <clears throat> After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. So if he answered the number four with Felix, then based upon Acts 24, there's our Bible answer. And the last one, number five, who was the captive who gained his freedom in exchange for Jesus' death? Well, if you turn to Matthew chapter 27, Matthew chapter 27 in verse 16, we'll begin reading in verse 16. Matthew 27, 16. And they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So if you answer number five with Barabbas, based upon Matthew 27, there's our Bible answer. So there is the quiz. There are five questions, five answers. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Who got all of them right? Okay. I know some of us are yeah, I got it. Or no, I didn't. Or whatever. I'm not asking that. But I want to ask, I want to tell you this. If you got all those answers right there, just like we have them, give yourself partial credit. Now, when I was in college, I used to live on partial credit, okay? Partial credit means you'd work on a problem. A problem, it may, in some of my engineering classes and everything, it may take us 30 minutes to do one problem on a test, and you might have the wrong answer, but you had 
eight of the ten steps right and they would give you partial credit. So you wouldn't get a, you wouldn't get a 50, but you might get 40 points right. And that's partial credit. Now the reason I'm telling you that you want to get partial credit because I want you to think about these questions one more time. I want, you, I want to ask these questions to you. And I'm going to tell you there's another answer. Who was rebuked by Jesus for caring more about temporal things than eternal things? To whom did Jesus offer living water that would cause one to never again thirst? Which disciple was given a second chance to follow Jesus after denying him? Who postponed obedience to Christ by procrastinating for a more convenient season? And who was the captive who gained his freedom in exchange for Jesus' death? And every one of those questions, if you're honest with yourself, you can put your own name. You can put your name as the answer for every one of those questions. I can put my name in there. The point I'm trying to get us to see this morning is that we must internalize the Scriptures. We must internalize the Scripture. This was a trick, okay? <laughs> this quiz was a trick, okay? And, and, and please, I'm not trying to... And please don't get upset with me now. I wanted you to think about the Bible answer. But I want you to make the application now to yourself. You see, every one of us sometimes put the temporal things ahead of the spiritual things or the eternal things. Every one of us has been offered living water by Jesus. In fact, Jesus told the woman in Samaria, whoever... Whoever asked for this? We've all been given a second chance to follow Jesus after denying Him. We've all, at some time or another, have put off doing what we knew was the right thing to do. And brethren, we've all exchanged our freedom for Jesus' death. Brethren, there's a danger of not applying the Scriptures to ourselves. Jesus, in Luke chapter 13, in verse 1, listen to what He said. There were present at that season some who told Him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. 
Brethren, Jesus has always been trying to teach us and show us that we've got to make application to ourselves. We can't be thinking about all the other people and all the other sinners and how bad they are. Why did they get that? Well, you know, they must have done something really bad. Doing this. We've got to understand that we've got to repent. We've got to turn to God. We've got to stay with God if we want to be blessed by God. Why do you think that the psalmist, in Psalm 1 as we begin this morning, he says, His delight is in the law of the Lord in which he meditates on it day and night. Well, we've got to have it every day. I don't know how to stress. I cannot stress anymore the importance of living in the Word of God, staying in it every day. Because if you're not, something else is getting inside of you. Something else is going to be in you every day. And it's not going to be what God wants it to be. The danger of not applying the Scriptures to ourselves. Paul was concerned about this. In his preaching, in his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 25, he says, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, listen, lest... When I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. That scares me to death every time I read that. Because I'm, I'm trying to preach the gospel some. And, I, and the first thing I tell myself is, you know, if I don't make application to myself, if I don't make sure my life is the way God wants it to be, and I'm making sure that I'm disciplining myself and my body, then I'll be disqualified from the race. In other words, if I don't apply the Scriptures to me, it's easy for me to point out your mistakes and your flaws and the things that you need to change and the things you need. But I've got to look at myself, and you've got to look at yourself. We want to be, we want to be that, that righteous person. We want to be the one that is going to be pleasing to God. We've got to apply the Scriptures to ourselves. James, in James chapter 1, in verse 22 to 25, James says it this way, But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. We want to be blessed in what we do. We want to have God as the old, there's an old gospel song. I want Jesus on my side. He is on my side. We want Jesus on our side. We want God on our side. We want to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. We must do more than just know Bible facts. It's a, we must know the Bible facts. Now, please, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm saying, well, you don't need to know the Bible facts. You don't need to study the Bible. You need to study it. You need to learn it. You need to know it. But not so you can just walk around and talk about, hey, I'm 
I know every question about it. I know everything about it. I can turn to every, every book. And you start reading, I'll finish the verse for you. Or I can do this and that. That's not what we're here for. We're here so we will become more like God. And the only way we can become more like God is to learn from His Word. Study His Word. We are to be conformed to His image. And as I said at the beginning, you're not going to accidentally fall into that. You're not going to accidentally just one day, wow, that person just has a... He's like God. You're going to have to study it. You're going to have to apply the Scriptures no more than just Bible facts. The implanted Word is able to save our souls. It can help us. We must turn to God. We must turn to the Scriptures, and we must apply them in our lives. Now, I want to make a challenge this morning to our young people. Our young people that are here, and once again, I'm not going to throw an age out there. Compared to Methuselah, I guess we're all pretty young, aren't we? We're all, we're, all, we're all youngsters, as we would say. We're all right there. But I want to make a challenge to you this morning. As we talk about applying the Scriptures, in Ephesians 5, verse 1, be imitators of God as dear children. Imitators of God as dear children. That's an amazing verse right there. Be imitators of God. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. And 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12 says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Young people, you are to be an example. You are to be an example. We talk all of the time. We talk all the time about peer pressure. So, oh boy, these young people, they got the peer pressure, and, they, and there's a lot of pressure. They got a lot of things going on. They're bombarded with a lot of things to do. And yes, they are. They're hit with everything. As we said, our, our society is going more and more ungodly, and they're hit with all of these things. But I want to tell you something, brethren. We can, we can have positive peer pressure. Peer pressure does not have to be negative. It does not have to be all of the bad things. You can be an example for good. And that's what I want to challenge the young people with this morning. I want you to be influenced by the Scriptures. I want you to be influenced... And apply these scriptures, but then I want you to go and be an influence to others. I want you to be an influence to those. And really, that's what we're all about, isn't it? Isn't that what we're all as Christians? We are to be influenced by the scriptures, by the Word of God, to be imitators of God, and then we're to go and be an influence, be a positive influence. Young people, first of all, I want you to be influenced to obey the gospel. If you have not obeyed the gospel, I want you to be influenced to turn to God. You must do that. You must obey the gospel. You must turn in. And then I want you to influence someone else to do the same. Be influenced and be an influence. I want you to be influenced to use pure speech. We are to be an example to the believers in word. I don't have to tell you about all of the things and I don't have to tell you about how many times young people, some young people out in the world use the Lord's name in vain. And they use it in such a flippant manner. It used to be that you would only see it in the movies or you would see it, and now it's in every commercial just about. It's in everything on the television. It's in the, 
It's, it's all in school and all that. It's everywhere. It's on the texting and all the social medias and all the things. And brethren, we're not to use the Lord's name in any way that is not holy and reverent and respectful. And you can be an influence for good. Use pure speech and then influence someone else to do the same. Be influenced to dress modestly. I don't have to tell you how bad it is to walk out in the summertime or even in the springtime or even in the fall time, okay, and to see what people are not wearing. We can be, all of us here, especially young people, you can be an example for good in the way you dress. You dress modestly. Influence someone else to do the same. Be influenced to reverently participate in worship. The way you do that is by listening, pay attention, take notes, open the Bible, open your Scriptures, listen to it, follow that. Don't be passing notes. Don't be giggling, don't be whispering, don't be on your phones. Don't be doing any of those things, brother, while it's time to worship God. God sees that, He knows that. You're not, you may be getting it away with it from your parents, but you're not going to get away with it with God, and God wants you to be an example. He wants you to worship Him. Be influenced to reverently participate in worship, and then influence someone else to do the same. Influence others. The next one is be influenced to be kind to others. It seems like these days that we none of us really understand what that word means anymore. To be kind to one another. You don't make fun of someone maybe because they're just a little different than you. Or maybe they're not quite as good at doing some activity that you're doing. I can remember when I was in school, there was a boy, and he was in our grade, and he was, but he always went to the special education classes. And a lot of times when he'd come out and he would be with us in certain parts of the day, in certain parts, a lot of people would make fun of him. I think Jesus would have done that. And I probably was doing some of the same thing. Because I wanted to be, I was influenced. I wanted to be like the crowd. I wanted to be those. And brethren, we've got to be careful. God wants us to be kind to others. To help others in need. Do things for them. Be influenced. And be an influence. My challenge to the young people here today is... You've got to stay with God. You stick to the Word. Apply the Scriptures. Turn to God. He will bless you. He wants to help you. He wants to be with you. He wants to do everything. He's done everything in His power to save you. You must turn to Him. We don't realize the power of a young person's influence. The power of a young person's influence can be for good. And it can also be for bad. 
You can do more harm by not being the type of person that you need to be. I want to thank you this morning for, for listening and following along. I hope that these things will challenge us all to internalize the Scriptures, to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. It's important to study and know the Bible. It's important to study and know the Bible. You must stay with it every day. Go back to Psalm 1. Go back to Psalm 1. The person that's going to stand, the person when all the storms of life are going through and all the things that are going to hit us in this world, they're going to hit us. The person that's able to stand, the person that's going to be strong is the one who meditates upon the Word every day, day and night. Don't get caught up with just knowing the Bible facts. You need to know them because that's how you study. Are you going to learn? But don't just get caught up with just knowing them. You must make application in our lives to be imitators of God as dear children. We must internalize the Scriptures. Make application in our lives. Thank you very much this morning. Thank you.